E-commerce expansion myths blasted. Successful cross-border expansion help. Listen to the show to hear how one UK company is helping e-commerce sellers successfully expand into Europe and double their profits. Hosted by Andy Hooper of Global E-commerce Experts. Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning, wherever you're from. Uh, this is the e-commerce expander sequence podcast. I sort of say that loosely at the end because we seem to film them and go live with these now. But uh, I'm really, really excited about today's today's guest. So my name's Andy Hooper, I'm Global E-commerce Experts, and we successfully expand e-commerce sellers into Europe. But today, it's not really about us at all. And it's all about Karina. Karina, welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me on the show today. It's nice to uh, meet everyone. Indeed. Thank you very much for joining us. So uh, Karina is typically actually a lot of our guests are states based because obviously we work a lot with uh, sellers based in the states. This is a bit of an unusual one. People are going to be listening thinking, hold on, there's no American accent there, which uh, is unusual for us. So Karina, uh, give us a little bit about uh, where you're based, a quick sort of intro about you, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. So I'm actually based in uh, in the UK, in Southend, um, in Essex. I haven't always been here. I actually have only just sort of returned after living overseas for eight years in Costa Rica, which is actually when I first started um, working with sellers and vendors um, and helping them when it comes to Amazon. So a bit of background about me. Um, I basically um, spent a number of years after finishing university working for Amazon. So I spent over seven years working for Amazon within the vendor management team and then had a bit of a, uh, a break, which was uh, hence where I, why I turned up in Costa Rica uh, going traveling and didn't quite make it back. Wicked. I love that. Uh, uh, I'm going to dig deep into that a little bit because I love you, you, the, the traveling piece for me. I think that anyone that's never done any traveling has to do some traveling. They have to go and see different parts of the world, whatever works for them. So I, I, I want, yeah. I, I'm going to really enjoy talking about that. So for people that are new to the show or haven't listened before, this really follows a few different steps. What we do is we talk to industry experts, people that are in e-commerce every day learn a little bit about their background, how they got into e-commerce, what they're currently doing in e-commerce and where they see e-commerce going in the future. So there's a few little bits we pulled together and I'm really, really excited to think. So Karina, you said that you moved back to Southampton. Did you grow up in Southend? No, I actually grew up in Northampton. So um, so landlocked compared to Southend, obviously. Completely. Completely. And then um, went to university down in the south of Portsmouth and then and then moved to moved to London. So I've, I've lived uh, lived in many places in the UK um, nice. and overseas as well. What did you do at uni? Um, languages and international trade. Oh, fantastic. So, um, well, predominantly Spanish. I would say I, I went to university with the hope to do German as well. But um, I think the teachers kind of persuaded me to give that one up. <laughs> are you uh, interesting are you disappointed about that now and you wish you'd done that or are you happy with that I'm happy with that I'm I'm fluent in Spanish and so Spanish was always the language that I enjoyed and so um yeah so and all, I, I'm a true believer if things happen for a reason as well so never any never any regrets oh that was gonna be my question actually uh, yeah what language if you've if you've done international languages 
you clearly speak Spanish, you just said, obviously English, yeah. got that. Is there any others that you dabble in or you can obviously speak fluently in? No, it's uh, just English and Spanish. I mean, I like to think that I can uh, speak a few other languages, but really the truth is, no, I can't. I mean, basic German, basic, uh, well, um, basic French, Portuguese, but the truth is there's just this, no. I'll stick to English and Spanish, I think. <laughs> if you went on holiday, you've got enough to sort of get by on. Oh, yeah. But not, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, all right, fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> so you did that at university. What was the highlight from university, other than getting a degree, obviously? Highlight of university was actually that I took a year out. So I had a sandwich course, which is a four-year course. So I had the two years in Portsmouth. Then I lived overseas. So I lived in Seville for a year in Spain and then went to university there. So that was kind of the start of my, you know, travel experience. It always, it kind of gave me the itchy feet, you know, of wanting to sort of move around. So that was kind of like an experience in itself of, um, you know, being completely living abroad and everything. And then, yeah. so that's definitely a, a big highlight for me. Nice, nice. And what's Seville like? Because I've done lots of Spain, but I've not done that part. Seville is beautiful. You should go. Um, I mean, I haven't been for years. I'd love to go go back out there. It's yeah. just, I mean, it's all Andalusia. So it's it's just the buildings. It's just the very sort of what I would say, the typical Spanish, um, you know, with the flamenco and everything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm sure it's changed a lot since then. It's been a long time <laughs> <laughs> without sharing my age. <laughs> yeah. So you. So what was your plan after university in before you went and got a job, what was your sort of, in your mind, you're thinking, once I've done this, I'm going to go and do? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great question because actually I had no idea. I actually uh, went and I got a TEFL and started to teach English out in Barcelona. Um, and after about three months, I realised that that was a bad idea and I had no patience um, to be a teacher. So uh, I basically quit, <laughs> came back to the UK and couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do. And I ended up going into buying. So my first job was like an assistant buyer for Wix, which is still oh, going man. to this day. So um, working in the plumbing department. So <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. So uh, was that, you said you then moved to London. Is that when you, was that in London, was that? Yeah. So that's when I moved to London. Um, and I lasted sort of, I was at Wix for about 18 months. I'm um, one of those, uh, I was hungry to move forward doing the yeah. job. Um, I was sort of in a company, um, which was great as a first job, but I wanted to be sort of in a company that was a, moving quickly and it didn't matter about your age as uh, an experience as to how, how quick you could kind of climb the ladder, as it were. Yeah. Um, and so I was there for about for about 18 months. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because every business sees some of those things in slightly different ways, don't they? About yeah. how, you know, progression, what it looks like um, for individuals. So, so when you left there, where did you go after that? I went to Amazon. Um, this is 2004. And when I left and went to Amazon, everyone thought I was crazy. They're like, okay, so you're leaving this good job with career prospects everything at Wix and you're going to Amazon what's that all about nobody could understand it and at that yeah. time I was going into the home and garden category which had just launched so no everyone was like well you only go to Amazon for books uh, and CDs yeah. and DVDs at the time 
And uh, it was one of those where, yeah, everyone thought I was crazy, which is funny now, given, you know, sort of the industry that we work in. So with that then, so what was, you know, obviously you saw an advert or you know, something along those lines. What made you think, well, that looks interesting. That looks, you know, as you say, they were just doing one piece to a degree. You know, it wasn't mainstream really at all at that point. So what made you think, well, this is the route to go? Do you know what? I hadn't really thought too much about the company until I went there for an interview. And we're talking about not these plush London offices that Amazon now has. We're talking about Slough, really sort of frugal offices. And there was this culture that just grasped me. It was it was very different to how I imagined the corporate world. Um, you know, people sort of walking around, you know, dyed hair, tattoos, yes. piercing, flip flops. You know, it was kind of just this real sort of chilled. And I turned up in a suit, which to this day, my friends find hilarious because you that's probably the one time I've ever worn a suit. Um, Because that's what I thought. I thought we're in this world. It was corporate. You had to dress corporately. And then realizing it didn't have to be like that. It was more about what you could achieve. Just changed it. And so I came out of that interview sort of realizing. Yeah, I mean, I was only, only young. Uh, didn't really know how that that sort of the working world was and then uh yeah i was like yeah i need to this is this is this is the way forward fantastic and and how long you was at, at um, amazon for i was at amazon for over seven years nice okay yeah. so four to eleven give or take um hold on that's yeah hold on i'm just doing maths that was a bit crazy that was good you did right (laughs) (laughs) it's been a long week Uh, hold on it's only tuesday Uh, so so in that period did you did you move around different roles over that period completely um i climbed up so i went on uh started as assistant buyer and then moved up to a buyer and um as i said sort of i'm quite uh I've always been quite ambitious, impatient, hungry to climb that ladder. And so, you know, sort of went through all the various levels, I guess, that you would do in terms of buying or what they call vendor management at the time. So assistant vendor manager, you know, vendor manager, senior vendor manager, and then sort of heading up the team of vendor managers. Funnily, I actually took a stopgap, well, not a stopgap. I actually left Amazon after three years. Um, I got a bit um, like, again, the typical, uh, oh, what else is out there? Grass is always greener. I went to Tesco. This was when Tesco was setting up their online. Um, oh, so this, this would have been about 2006, 2007. Yes, I lasted at Tesco six months and returned back to Amazon. Uh, yeah. So, I, yeah. I, I, I've actually heard a few people actually talk about Tesco's because Tesco's were actually... They, they were actually going out headhunting for people at that time, looking yep. for people to head up. That I've spoken to a couple of people that have did something similar. You know, I want to work to Tesco's to head up this piece uh, and do this because of their e-commerce piece. Uh, so that's interesting. Okay. So then you went back thinking, God, get me out of here and get me back there, basically. Because yeah. the, the, the head office is in Chesham. I don't know if that's where you was, in Delamere Road. Yeah, I don't know where. yeah in... Um uh wolf uh not wolf um something gardens yeah oh I, okay i can't remember the name i've yes. obviously uh Welling garden <laughs> Welling garden city that's it Welling garden city yes. yeah i'm with you i because i grew up around that area not far, oh, not far okay from. so oh. i grew up 
probably halfway between Wellington City and where you are now. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you then gone rushing back to Amazon, like, okay, the grass wasn't greener. Uh, show me the life here. Um, what, did, what did you go on to do there then next? Interestingly, I, we, um, I remember going for an interview and I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. And uh, I'd interviewed for a number of different product categories within vendor management. And there was one where I had to sign this NDA and they said, we're going into something. Are you in or out? And I was kind of like, yep, I'm going to sign this NDA. Turns out that it was soft lines, which would have been uh, watches, jewellery, apparel. Um, it was even sports at that time before sports yeah. was put into hard lines. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And so I was the first person within the whole of the soft lines team to just basically go out and find brands, you know, vendors and just get them on board. And we launched, you know, many different product categories. So, uh, yeah, it was exciting, which is now it's like huge. So, yeah. That's, well, so what, what was, that's where I was going to go next is that. So the role itself was going and essentially finding these brands and saying, hey, come on to Amazon. Yeah, basically. So, and brands yeah. saying no um, at the time. You yeah. see, the, the, this is the interesting part from the days is the roles very, is the, completely the opposite now. Yeah. But in those days, everybody was like, well, Amazon doesn't do clothing or Amazon doesn't do sports. So we're not going to sell to you because, you know, we sell to Argos and we sell to all these other people. We couldn't possibly be seen to be working with someone like Amazon. Um, yeah. And it was like became it wasn't really it was a buying role, but there was an element of selling there because you had to sell the opportunity, yeah. which most businesses weren't interested in at the time. Yeah, it, it's still actually you know, we talk to, to people now and, and they, they still sort of say, yeah, well, Amazon just seems a little bit too difficult. So we're just going to carry on doing this, this and this. Um, yeah. I mean, that's still there, but it's interesting how that there becomes a tipping point it's like any business you yeah know, we were talking a little while ago like partnerships for us you know we used to have to go hunting for partnerships you know, hey will you be a part of us we'd love to work with you and yeah. then what happens is as you get to a certain point people then start coming to you it's not yeah. like you stop doing that but people start coming to you and there's a tipping point and it's exactly the same with amazon where at mm -hmm. some point people went oh damn yeah we need to be on that bus hey can we come in which is now why yeah. you can't get a vendor client as easy <laughs> as what you could before yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what was your yeah, what was your highlight in that last piece? Because you was there another what four years or so. What was that sort of highlight there? For me, it was just seeing uh, the category grow, you know, you you that first member of that department and just seeing it expand to like I think it was about 50 people when I left. And just seeing that growth um, within those categories. And it was exciting, you know. I always worked in new categories. I'm kind of more of that sort of startup culture and vibe rather than that corporate pop part. And that was a learning lesson for me when I was younger. Um, and so it was just, um, and, and the biggest part for me was being in a position that it didn't matter your experience, your age, or anything. If you've got a great idea, you've got a great idea. If you've got yeah. a rubbish idea, people will tell you. And it was kind of like you could just be pretty, um, it was pretty straightforward. It wasn't yeah. all this sort of facade of how you had to behave. Um, yeah. It was just kind of, you could just be be you, really. Which is interesting because if you look at historical companies in the UK, yeah, that's how they've been. It's all yeah, a little exactly. bit, we've got to be nice and careful around people. Um, 
you know, we don't want to say something that might upset someone, even if we can try and deliver it in the best way possible to essentially make this better. We're here to make this better. Yeah. Um, People don't see it like that always, do they? And I think that's interesting where it's a different take on that. Okay. So you're coming to the end of Amazon and this is the point you then went traveling, did you say? Yeah, I am. The idea was, I guess, to come back, either work for Amazon Spain or, you know, uh, look at other options. And I was, you know, in conversations with Seattle. Um, so I took some time out and then, uh, yeah, I didn't didn't make it back to, to the UK. <laughs> so you went to Costa Rica? Yeah. Did you spend the whole time there? Uh, yes. Well, I first I travelled all of South America and Latin, um, Central America. So the whole of Latin America. Amazing. So, so the idea was to take, I guess, a year out and then come back. Is that, was that sort of the... Is it, is it a year yeah. or six months? I don't know what the... I guess it was a year. I hadn't sort of thought about it, but... Um, yeah. me. Oh, there we go. That's it. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I basically stayed out eight years instead. <laughs> Amazing. So while you were there, what did you do while you were there? Well, um, ended up getting married, having a child. So all of that. And um, also ended up, uh, I had a business, so I had a distribution business um, that I first started out. So we were selling, um, we had exclusive distribution rights for kind of US branded toys that we were selling in Costa Rica. Had that for a few years, but decided that the market wasn't wasn't the size. It's a very small country, but also there's an element of corruption. So I was like, steer away from that. But also I was getting a lot of contact from old vendors that I used to deal with going, help, help. What's this vendor central help? And, you know, and I yep. started to realize that there was opportunity there. And so I started to consult um, old vendors. And then I realized, you know, I think I was on Upwork or it wasn't Upwork in those days, but I just saw that there was opportunity. And so started to consult um, and over the years, just it grew to, I guess how things are now with Amazon. So never realized that there would be such such opportunity in the industry. Yeah. I mean there's this huge demand for knowledge and thirst of making things happen easy, isn't there? That yeah. ability to try and fast track you know, the the way to the front, if you like. Um, yeah. people are just not necessarily desperate for that, but they want to just people are happy to pay to speed things up. Um, yeah. certainly entrepreneurs who have been through the journey and know what they're doing are like yeah. if i can pay you 500 quid to do that piece and it gets me there that bit quicker take the money now like exactly um, yeah okay so um so you you obviously start so you started e-commerce nurse then yep while you were still in costa rica yes um fantastic i love that so what was the decision then to then come back because obviously you've got a nice gig in Costa Rica like well this is quite nice um yeah there was um personal and professional reasons so the business originally started more in the U.S. partly being in Costa Rica um you know going over and presenting at conferences like the Prosper show I mean years ago that was in two I think the first time was 2015 and seeing this industry out there so that really grew the business there but then I started, we started to get uh, a lot more interest as the UK and Europe, which is always behind the US, started to realise that they needed to invest as well. Yeah. So there was an element where I wanted to come back after eight years, you know, you do actually miss 
miss certain comforts you you know family as well I have a yeah. have a, a young young daughter and all of that so we ended up coming back but also for my business it, it started to grow that it got very difficult managing that overseas um, in the end it's all right if you want to just do your own thing but we actually grew to an agency um, and that started to be a lot more difficult to do on your timetable basically and, that, and that's the really interesting point, isn't it? That, that you start off with this view of, well, I can do this all by myself and just crack on. And you, you yeah. and all of a sudden you then realise, damn, I'm going to need some people here. And that yeah. free lifestyle, people I mean, you, people who run businesses like, yeah, people don't run businesses. Like, well, when you run your own business, you can do what you like. What you don't realise is that's not really the case. Um, exactly. Uh, so, you, so you went through that. Did you always start as e-commerce nurse? Or did it develop into that? Um, I guess, yeah. I mean, I was just doing consulting with with sellers and vendors to start. Didn't really think about it until a point where I think I had to think, oh, actually, maybe I need a trading name. And then it just grew into a business. And it was never really, to be honest, it was not like when I talk to people and they start talking to me about three, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave my job. I've got to create this plan, everything. What was your plan? And yeah. I can't answer that because I didn't have a plan in all honesty. Uh, happen. Yeah, it just basically happened. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's it. You know, you've kind of got that that oomph in you that you just want to go out and you start seeing what's working, what isn't working, and you just you just roll with it. And then all of a sudden the time comes, which I've been through many a times, when you do need to plan. Um, but sometimes at the start. You know, people invest so much time in planning, but you could just go, a com the business goes a completely different direction and you procrastinated and spent so much time planning on an area that doesn't end up happening. So, uh, And again, that's, <laughs> a, that's really interesting because people get so bogged down in the plan yeah. that actually they can't see the opportunities outside of the plan that are yeah. actually much better options for, than what they've currently got. Exactly. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. brilliant. So... So let's talk about e-commerce nurse then. So today, yep. what, what typically, who do you work, obviously we've worked out as e-commerce and Amazon. I think most people are going to get that. But what, what do you actually do and how do you support those sellers? And, and what does that look like? Yeah, so we work with sellers and vendors or more so brands. Um, and we work with them. We either manage their accounts for them on Amazon. So we're Amazon focused and we're a team of a number of us uh, spent a number of years working at Amazon. Um, also, not everyone's uh, ex-Amazon. You know, they've worked in the industry um, for a number of years and gained experience there. And we work with, so we do uh, account management and a big core piece of what we do is the marketing element. So all of our optimizations, the design work with the A plus pages and how to really sell the products on Amazon, as well as a consulting uh, wing as well to the business. That's brilliant. So give us an example of a, a, a client success story. So people listening can really get a depth of what that looks like. Yeah, so um, we well, we work with clients at it's all different stages. So you can have a brand that's often new to new to Amazon, um, and that's about helping them launch on Amazon. But more importantly, what we find is that we're working with brands that are probably I would say more bricks and mortar traditional. They've got to move and transform. They're digitally transforming internally, but it's slow. And so a lot of the work that we're doing is helping them strategize and and, and 
figure out what to focus on on Amazon because a lot of the time Amazon's like selection, 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 but there's no strategy behind it. So it's about helping them build and decide on what they want to focus on, what's really going to give them the biggest gain on Amazon and really developing on their on their marketing um, side of things. So making sure that they've got the right products, all their products are being optimized from a content uh on the content side, working on their images, all of their their A plus to really create the right reflection of the brand because you've got these brands that look awesome in bricks and mortar in the stores or supermarkets. You see them on Amazon, you're like, you know, what's what's going on? And it's about, you know, if you're a premium brand or you want to be seen as a premium brand, then you need to look premium online as well. Um, and so that's what what we focus on. So. Yes, it's very much it grows sales, it grows conversion, we're growing, increasing the traffic. But more importantly, there's an element of brand representation that we're, is key for, for what we do as well. I love that. So what do you find as when you talk about that digital transformation in those businesses, you know, brick and mortar into, you know, what do you find is typically the biggest stumbling block or hurdle that people have got to come over? in order to go, well, actually, we know this is an opportunity. We know we've got to make it happen. Uh, what's typically the sort of stumbling blocks or why they haven't done that in the past, do you think? Um, I think change is quite difficult sometimes. Um, the best is when we get hired to rewrite the content. You know, we've got an awesome copywriter. She's been doing this for years, spent years at Amazon copywriting. You rewrite the copy and then you get, take it to, for approval. You get it back and it's the same as it was. <laughs> so it hasn't, you know, and saying, oh, well, we have it like this for, for this reason. You have to take them through the journey as to why you're rewriting the content, you know, yeah. um, and you have to sort of explain it. And, and I would say that's the biggest part of there's a lot of education um, that needs to be done with clients yeah. it's helping them understand the whys of why it's being done alongside bureaucracy as well uh that can often be you know yeah. be a, a bit of a challenge quite right yeah I see that quite often <laughs> okay brilliant so let's look forward slightly and think about you know ring q3 um yep. q4's around the corner if people haven't planned q4 it's probably too late however let's just talk about what we see as possibly some of the you know, things that are coming up that people should be aware of over the next couple of quarters that you're know, leading into Q4, perhaps even to next year, some of the things that perhaps you're seeing, the changes that are happening, things that are really important to sellers that they should be taking note of now to make sure their expansion into Europe, UK and Europe, is, yeah. is you know, accelerating still. Yeah, I think, um, well, the biggest challenge completely at the moment is uh, from an inventory perspective, yeah. Um, is brands, as you say, if you haven't planned now and you haven't planned your inventory now for Q4, then you, you're going to you're going to have a tough time because, of course, um, there's, you know, a number of businesses are experiencing delays, not only from, for example, with China, but also Brexit uh, doesn't doesn't help as well. So that's uh, another thing when it comes to that. Also, the, you know, every year it gets more and more competitive um it gets every you know you've got more and more sellers post pandemic there was a lot of businesses shifting over to amazon and other digital platforms 
And so there's a lot more competition. So when it comes to advertising and gaining all that, the landscape's different to what it is, to what it was in 2020, especially 2020. But, yeah. you know, it's about evolving. And really the businesses that we see succeeding on Amazon are the ones that constantly evolve and know that they have to constantly change. Those businesses that have that very much a set, set it up and leave it strategy, well, yeah. You know that they're, 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 they're going to struggle um, because you know ev there's just constant constant change happening on Amazon. Yeah, I think I mean I think the inventory you getting stuff from China. You know the our, our shipping department. You know the you know what people were paying for containers oh, my goodness. 18 months ago compared to what they pay now is scandalous. Quite honestly, um, yeah. You know the 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 shipping you know, our shipping department and team are. You know, you're just constantly apologising. Like you just can't. Yeah. They, they just, you can't get enough containers. You know, there was. I went and took a photo actually. There's a, a port of Southampton is just down the road here, and I had to go down there to get something the other day. And you know, I, I just a container ship had come in, and it's the biggest container ship I'd ever seen, full of containers. Like, you know, it was stacked higher than it's ever been. It's wider. You know, normally there's a. It, it just looks a little bit skeleton. If two years ago. Yeah. They come in by the time they get here, they're like a third, yeah, there's a third gone. No, no, yeah. no. These were rammed. I mean, like you've never seen anything like that. So I think getting stocking is going to be critical. And obviously, with yeah. the inventory stock, yeah, the how much stock you can send in is definitely exactly people definitely need to be considering that. So I definitely see that. And I, yeah, that yeah. competitive part. Have you seen over the Brexit period? You know, we've seen a period where you know, there's a lot of British sellers selling in Europe, European sellers selling in Britain. And because of Brexit, actually, it was a little bit less competitive in that area because people just threw their toys out of the pram and went, oh, yeah. no, 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 I'm in the UK. I can't sell in, sell in, in Europe anymore because Brexit's too difficult. Um, yeah. And also, did you see a little bit of that? Um, definitely, definitely. I think everybody was taking advantage of, the, of Amazon's European Fulfillment Network. And, uh, and you know, the funny thing on the vendor side is that people didn't like it, the European Fulfillment Network, many a business, because they were like, well, if I want to sell in other countries, that should be for us to decide. Now, loads of businesses want Amazon to just figure it out because just they just can't, just don't want to get involved in the complexities of it all. And it's, you know, so we did see that. And now we're seeing businesses starting to think, oh, actually, now maybe we do want to go into Europe. Um, maybe we do want to go back to the UK. But um, definitely uh, what we're seeing, you know, as you mentioned, like Amazon's getting tighter on inventory is more that brands just need to have a backup solution as well. Um, and it's this whole dependency on Amazon. What we're sort of seeing is more about diversifying and having more than one way to fulfill orders and just just basically not having all your eggs in one basket. That definitely. I mean, our, our, so we've got a warehouse in both the UK and Netherlands. Okay, and, that, yeah. and that piece, you know, since Brexit and with the inventory stock limits, you know, people are like, and so we, we can only ship 40 days worth of stock into Amazon. I've got a container coming in that's got three months worth of stock in. Uh, yeah, can you take it? Can you fulfill to the other? It just makes life easy. Like that whole yeah. backup, and this isn't us promoting our 3PL because there's hundreds of 3PLs out there. Obviously, we're amazing. But, um, you know, the, the key thing actually is is making sure you've got that backup in UK yeah. and Europe because, you know, otherwise you're going to get screwed come Q4. You're going to be trying to bring all this stock in 
and Amazon is not going to take it. Um, and I think that's where the winner, we've seen the brands that are winning are the ones that can control their stock and vendors specifically. Vendors have been relatively good at this. Yes. In the past yeah. years because they've always had to have a 3PL locally to Amazon anyway. Because exactly. They never run out. So vendors are much better um, prepared right now, mm -hmm. I feel, than sellers because sellers were just chucking everything into FBA and letting Amazon do it, as well as vendors always had to have a 3PL. So yeah. it, there's definitely a, a sea of change in that area, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah, completely. And you're completely right. And I've never thought of it like that. But yeah, I think everybody was so reliant on FBA and it's, you know, Amazon's just restricting all of what you can and can't send in, doesn't forecast potential uplift in, in any of that. And yeah, vendors have always been doing that. And we've actually seen where... Uh, a lot of sellers are asking that question as in, you know, how, how who can we work with that can support us in Europe and uh, and businesses basically as you, you have um, a warehouse in mainland Europe, typically often Netherlands or Germany um, yeah. and the UK as well. Otherwise, you know, you've, you've got to have the two these days. Yeah, yeah definitely. It definitely makes it a bit more of a problem. Uh, yeah. so, right. So, Karina. Uh, yes. It's been amazing having you on. Thank you very much. It's been great to learn a little bit about your story, uh, hear a bit more about what you guys do. Uh, if people want to work with you, they want to they want to start on Amazon or they've got a brand that's already on Amazon, they want to explode. They're obviously going to want to come, come and contact you. Um, how do they do that? How do they get in touch with you? What's the best way of doing that? Best way to get in touch with us is go to our website, uh, ecommercenurse.com and go to contact us um, and just fill in your details and someone within the team will reach out and discuss opportunities with you. Fantastic. Look at that. That was really straightforward, really easy. Uh, amazing to hear a bit about that. Uh, so this is the e-commerce expander sequence podcast. It's been amazing having Karina on from e-commerce nurse and we will be joining the next episode coming next week. But before that, uh, we're here to successfully expand all e-commerce sellers into Europe. And Karina is a massive part of that as well, because you expanding sellers is what we want to do. And the more knowledge, expertise, and the more people you hear from, uh, the more experience you can gain in getting those top tips on what to do. So Karina, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you, Andy. And you we too. look forward to uh, hopefully working with you again in the future. So thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, Bye. everyone. Have a great day.